This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Garden of Sound is brought to you today by 4YP, supporting community and positive youth development initiatives. You can find out more about them at 4yp.org. On today's show, Hera. But before we begin, I'd love for you to subscribe to Garden of Sound. That means you'll get every episode of the show and you'll be supporting local music too. It's as easy as heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking the subscribe button. Garden of Sound is also on Spotify. Just type in Garden of Sound into the search bar and you're away. Right, Hera. She grew up in Reykjavik, the capital of Iceland, and due to a little bit of familial wanderlust and work commitments, she got a taste of life in New Zealand pretty early on. She's an award-winning singer-songwriter, zigzagging her way across the globe to make music, and now for part of the year, she calls Akaroa home. But with a new album on the way, what lays in store for the girl with the itchy palms? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Hera on Plains FM 96.9. Hera, it's the standard question for, for Garden of Sound, but what's your very first memory of music? Uh, they would have to be lullabies sung by my grandma and by my mum in bed, like going to sleep and, and listening to them sing. Were you a close-knit family unit? Yeah, yeah. I was I was very close to my grandma. She was amazing. She um um yeah, she did she did a lot of, of singing lullabies. But I also used music as a way to remember things. I remember going to the shops and, and buying like the, like a list of things, but I'd write a song about the things that I had to buy and sing it as I walked up the street. I have like very distinct memories of walking against the wind in Iceland uphill on a um a frosty ground where you where you almost move more backwards than forwards as as a young girl and singing about you know remembering to buy eggs and milk and stuff those are vivid memories of of singing what part of iceland did you grow up in i grew up on the west side of town vestabyr which is 101 Reykjavik right by the sea but my grandparents were from hapnafjordur uh, which is another seaside village very much actually like the akaroa of iceland how important is the the sea to you very important. It's um. I mean, I have I have an album called The Sea, and a, a, a series of, of songs inspired by the sea. And my favorite places to play are, are are places where I'm connected and close to the sea. So I have my my granddad was a, a fisherman, and my great granddad, great great granddad. Like there's a there's a lot of history there with um with the sea. Was music encouraged in your house? None of my my immediate family play music, but my mum did uh, sing a song as a. a a backing singer in a um, in a band called the Clique, which was a um, which is, uh, was a trio, and she wore like a gold one piece bodysuit and um, and and sung. And this song is still played in Iceland. It's like a like an eighties hit or like a seventies hit. Did you have any formal musical training growing up? Yeah, I was um, playing the recorder with um, a wonderful saxophonist, and um, and so I learned to read music before I learned to read. 
but uh, then I was always in the choir, and, and then I, I really, really wanted a piano. But we didn't have space for a piano, so my, my parents decided that I would, I would play the guitar and learn some campfire songs to, to play around the campfire, and I kind of rebelled. I, I remember digging my heels at that and going, nah, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm not going to learn all the campfire songs and be a jukebox. I want to write my own songs. So that was, um, yeah, so I got my first guitar. How old were you when you wrote your first song? Gosh, oh, very young, five or six, I don't know. But, um, but I started playing guitar at eight, and, um, and I started playing classical guitar. And, um, and I remember doing concerts and playing and playing classical and like reading music and but then I was writing a lot of poetry as well and I really I love language so I um I you know I remember like writing a lot of poetry and I actually before I started performing as a musician I was um a stand-up poet at 14 15 something like that when did the rebellious Hera emerge I guess the the poetry was um I don't know, probably risque for my age but when I was um 14 or also, I got, I, I got frustrated with the, the classical guitar and I wanted to, to learn something different. And there was a jazz guitar teacher up, up the street, Keith Petch, and I went and I learned to play and sing The Girl from Ipanema, which was, um, which was just such a massive leap to actually play something and, and be able to sing and play at the same time. And I'd always, um, and as soon as I'd learned that song, that was the, the day. Or, you know, the very hour I wrote my first song, it was like, hey, I can I can do this at the same time. I, I was already doing open mic nights at the um, at the Wunderbar in Littleton, um, and I was 14, I think. I remember my parents had to come with me, and there were cabaret nights, and there were drag queens and Elvis impersonators, and there were like theatrical performances, and 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 I remember none of my friends were allowed to come and and see, but my um, my parents had um, had me. Uh, I visited our family friend who taught me to talk in between the poems because I you know I was reciting them but then I, I would be like and this next uh, poem is about and then I would be continuously apologizing so what drew you to all of these these colorful characters it seems like very adult for a 14 year old to be going along to um, such a legendary place uh, I guess I was I was writing the I was writing the poems and I was and I was learning to play guitar it was all uh, you know to play and sing at the same time and I and I and I can't remember how how it first came about, whose suggestion it was to, for me to do an open mic night. But it, but it was essentially that. Um, and then there were cabaret nights, and I, and I I remember I got paid thirty dollars, and I had a thirty minute set, and my friends were like, "Oh my gosh, you should quit! You're making a dollar a minute. You need to leave school now." Of course, it would you know cost my parents more to 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 take me out there and 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 you know spend an entire evening listening and and they were so incredibly supportive that was that was a really amazing school for me i think i learned more at the wunderbar than than i did anywhere else in my younger years so i just want to ask you very quickly about the and i will call it the uh the makeup or the painting of yourself before you perform um where does that come from is it a cultural thing it's something i've been doing for as long as I can remember perform well for a really long time for like 18 years probably every time I play music it's um it's inspired by the moko and it's also inspired by Celtic wall paint the process of putting it on is a process of, of getting ready and I guess it's um it's uh it's a it's a bit of a mask it's a separator it's um it's a performance piece I guess 
Um, it's my, like my two my two sides, and it's also a way of keeping you know keeping with me um, my influences and 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 what I love. I've got my parents, my 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 family, my um, I've got the sea. I've got um, you know Celtic Celtic wall paint and um, and and the Maori moko all kind of with me. And you've always performed. You've well, you say for the last seventeen, eighteen years, always yeah. performed with it. Never performed without it. No, not really, not really. Maybe you know the occasional pop up, and but I've often been asked about whether I'm going to get it done permanently. But it's but it's a really. I've never really put my finger on what to call it, but it's my you know it's my my shield, my design, my um, it represents my two homes. It's my roots, I guess, on my face. Yeah, there we go. I want you to just tell me a little bit more about your grandma, who you were, who you were very close to. I presume she's no longer, no longer with us. My mum's mum, my grandma Balda, she was, um, she was an incredible woman. She was really like kind and crafty, and she, um, she worked in a yarn store with her sister Gula, and they were um, always knitting or making something. She would, um, she didn't get her driver's license until she was sixty, and then she sta- would just like do the rounds and go visit everyone and take everyone shopping, fill everyone's fridge. And, and she would, um, she loved everything Disney, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because um, Snow White was an Icelandic girl who, um, there was a, an animator for Disney who, who fell in love with her. And that's, an, that's, an, that's another story. But um, she, yeah, she loved everything Snow White and was just always in a fairy tale. She saw, she saw the good in everything. What do you feel you've taken from her as a performer? Or an artist. I don't know. It's she's the she's one of the people I miss the most. She taught me to knit and crochet, and and I was um, a, a little bit nerdy there, I guess. I, you know, I I loved it. I don't think I don't think any of my cousins really in, enjoyed the, the the you know. But I think I you know in a way I'm a little old lady. <laughs> that that might just be it. But um, but I wrote down her recipes, her patterns the, for um. For all sorts of all sorts of things, so I've got a little book of my of my grandma's patterns, which were passed down from my great grandma, and, and I like it, you know, to when I need to be zen and and um, and switch off to to have something between my between my fingers, like it just feels it feels calming. So I, I knit and I crochet and I paint and I bead and I um uh, yeah I did cross stitch. I, I really like making things with my hands and playing guitar and and yeah, it's I guess it's a, it's another language really. Is there any particular artist uh, who's influenced you in their in their style, maybe with a, a particular track? Yeah, there were. Um, uh, I've always loved the kind of music that tells a story. I love it when the lyrics are saying something, and that's like, um, and and uh, you know, quite it's quite stripped back. I there's an uh, artist called Jim Crochet. And there's a song that um, I remember was one of the ones that I because I would take songs to my guitar teacher and say I want to I want to learn this and this was one that I wanted to learn. It's called Time in a Bottle. If I could save time in a bottle. First thing that I'd like to do Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you If I could make days last forever 
If words could make wishes come true I'd save every day like a treasure And then again I would spend them with you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do once you find them Looked around enough to know that you're the one I want to go through time with. If I had a box just for wishes. And dreams that had never come true The box would be empty Except for the memory of how They were answered by you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do Once you find them I looked around enough to know you're the one I want to go through time This is the Garden of Sound interview with Hera on Plains FM 96.9. Hi, I'm Marina from Dan's Produce. When you're putting food on the table, it's not just about the cost, it's also how good it tastes. At Dan's Produce, you get both. Lower prices and fresher food, all from a great city location. And when we say fresh, all the fruit and veg you buy from Dan's is kept cool and undercover no matter what's happening outside. So next time you're out shopping, make a beeline for Dan's Produce. On the corner of Draper Street and Stanmore Road, just over the bridge. And if you let us know you heard this ad on Garden of Sound, you'll get an extra 10% off your next shop. Dan's Produce, open 8 till 6, 7 days a week. On the corner of Draper Street and Stanmore Road. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Hera on Plains FM 96.9, brought to you today from Mamezon in Akaroa. If you hear a little bit of building noise in the background, we apologise for that. Hera, I want to talk about gigs. I want to talk about concerts. At 14 years of age, you were at the Wunderbar doing your own thing. What's the first sort of big musical gig that you, you paid some money to go along to? Oh my gosh! I see. I was I was thinking about that. That's so hard. There's there's a few that I that I remember that were amazing, but I can't think, I can't think what the very first one was. I saw Tori Amos play at that Glastonbury Festival. Tell that me was, about that. It sounds amazing. That was that was incredible. She had the, the the two pianos going, you know, one on either side, and it was just you know, and I I, I just it was just an incredible concert. What was your standout track from that gig? Ah. Uh, it would be well. I mean, it would be crucified because it's it's the you know it's the the song and, and here you know the the song that was most well known. But I was I really love Baker Baker, and the horses, which is a um, beautiful track. She's um yeah she's a wonderful performer, quite um very unique. Was that the first time you'd been to Glastonbury? 
Uh, I did. I played there twice. I did uh, 2005 and 2008. And not a lot of people can say that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Just tell me about those experiences. I was doing a lot of playing and, and touring. I, I um, uh, was during my. Uh, I was releasing a lot in Iceland, and I did um, big tour around um, Iceland, England, Scotland, Wales, and, and Italy, with um, with a band from Italy and a, and a musician from from England. And it was around. It was around that time, um, for the 2005. And one of them, I can't remember which year, was the was the crazy muddy one where people were literally just wearing their underwear in mud, you know, just and sometimes just mud. It was um it was amazing. There were rivers you could uh, walk up to to mid thigh, and uh, you know it didn't do, do anything to deter the, the the spirit of the of the festival or the people. Like everyone was just having an amazing time. It was just yeah. How did the uh, Glasgow gigs come about? How did you get booked for them? I um. I applied online. We had um, um, we had uh, we had friends who recommended it. They were um, they were here for the Buskers Festival. This was um, yeah, friends friends of friends and and um, yeah. So I got in touch and I applied and I played at the uh, yeah in the um, uh, one of the times at least in the um, in the circus area because they have like whole different different areas and it was um incredible you'd see all these creatures people who had created all these uh, amazing um i guess walking wearable art performances it's like being in another world being at that festival and i'm sure that kind of thing obviously um you appreciate it with your sort of crafty crafty side um I just want to talk about you know uh, live performances, playing at festivals and, and gigs and things. What's probably the biggest biggest thing musically you've had to overcome? Hmm. I I don't get I don't get stage fright as such, but I get I get it after I finish playing because you essentially are, are getting on on stage and opening your opening your guts. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrible, but you, you know, for me, uh, because m- m- the music has been such a, a personal thing, you're, you're sharing something quite personal and, and letting people in. And when it's a big crowd of people, you you are having a very intimate conversation, basically, with with a big group of people. And when you step off stage, sometimes people will react as if it's been a two-way conversation. I don't know if that makes sense, but it. Uh, I mean, you they'll know, come up to you after the gig. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 like you really, really, really let people get to know you, and then and then you're vulnerable after playing. You know, I don't feel I don't feel nervous before playing, but afterwards I've you know I've I've kind of put myself on the, um, you know, under the microscope, I guess. Raw. Yeah. So, what have you sort of developed to to sort of deal? With that feeling, because I, I can't imagine it's a nice way to feel. Well, it was. It's interesting. It's it's a um, no. I love it. I love it. I love the. Um, I love that nervous feeling. My like my favorite thing is to play a song that I don't know yet that I'm that I'm that I'm still writing or that I'm you know that where there's a chance I might get it really wrong, and 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 it brings back that kind of feeling of butterflies. That's um you know or, you know like stars in your throat. <laughs> that's not a saying either. Um, like um, you know that that nervousness, I, I I love it, and the hot ears, you know, feeling yeah, it's a thing to it's a thing to overcome. But it's also my favorite thing about performing is you know like if you're if you never if you're never worried if you're never nervous and then you know where's the where's the fun? I love I love making, and it also making a mistake on on stage live or doing um, or sharing something which isn't quite finished is is 
another way to, I guess, connect. Do you consider yourself a confident person? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. <laughs> I think so. So, have you had any um, occasions where something has really made you go, "Oh, okay, that wasn't great." Oh yeah, when I, you know, <laughs> again, when I, you know, when you make mistakes, but that's all, that's all part of the learning process. It's you know, it's the best and the worst thing about it. Uh, you know, it's amazing to. Um, uh, to process feelings and to process, you know, things or to you just process life, I guess, the way that you see something or the way that you experience something to, to put it into a song like making a snowball and then and then sharing it, you know, ha- having it. It's, you know, it's a thing that you can that you can share and, it, and it's, you know, it's processed. Do you think everyone should be able to do this thing, this creative expression of self? I think we all do in, in some way or another, you know, like people who you know, express their emotions through cooking or through writing. or. Th- so what part do you think the education system should play in encouraging that? I, I don't know. It, I, it makes me happy. It makes me really happy playing music. And, and I feel really lucky and I feel, I feel really privileged to have had so much support and understanding from, you know, from my parents because it's not... Um, um, conventional to probably you know take your 14 year old to a, a, a pub filled with sailors and 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 um but it was amazing you know it's i'm so thankful thankful for it for the support to get to be young and strange <laughs> i want to ask you if you do have any advice for your 14 year old self or maybe uh, Hera in her teens. Um, anything that you would say, anything that would change, maybe do differently. I, <laughs> I don't know if I would do it differently. But but looking back, you know, it's. Um, I thought I was being um, clever. I thought I was. Um, I thought I was. Uh, you know, writing songs. But really, I was. You know, I was telling the world and I was telling my parents everything. I was opening my diary every time I performed. You know, my songs were very, very much. You know, ah. Um, uh, as it is, you know, as it was, and um, and I don't, I really don't think I realised at the time how much I was sharing. But you know, if I hadn't, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, it's it's how we learn. And I and I released a lot of stuff. Like I um, I started recording my first album. I think when I was um, for, uh, fourteen, fifteen at home, and um, and we had we made a, like a pop filter for the microphone out of pantyhose and a um, and a coat hanger and. It was all just recorded and released, and then I and then I played, and I and I did, you know, like, and by doing all that, I think that you know, it's how I learned. But there is, you know, there is a huge amount of stuff that 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 um, exists now from my childhood, <laughs> just which now I can say, you know, I can say embarrassing. But if I hadn't, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have, you know. I <laughs> are you more? Are you more guarded now, or do you still write about stuff personal to you? But are you? Are you a little more crafty? I'll use that word again. And uh, how you present your truth? I don't know. I think I'm 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 more aware of of what I'm 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 saying. But I I think that you know that's that comes with being a teenager as well. Like everything is everything is so much more painful and so much more good and so much more you know like the love is is like everything is just intensified as a teenager and and um you know like when I think about teenagers today and, and how much is on, on Facebook. I'm really happy that, um, you know, that I'm, <laughs> that, you know, that stuff doesn't exist online, but that's, you know, that's what it is. 
that's what it is. It's my, you know, it's my, it's my growing up, and um, and it exists on um, a, a number of albums. I want to talk about uh, favorite tracks <laughs> out there, um, and you've had such a a unique upbringing between <laughs> between the two countries, um, and especially starting performing at fourteen years of age. So, you know, I've already talked about influences, but is there a specific track? Yes, this um, I. <laughs> My, uh, I, I saw something in it, and it just changed me. I think as um, as as a twelve-year-old girl, um, I was staying out in the country with my parents' friends, and I and I just had my babysitting degree, so I was looking after the kids for um, for the summer. A degree? Um, yeah. Oh, you do a, you do a course in Iceland, and you get a little you get a little plaque. You know, I'd done the the, the first aid and, and stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> and um, decree. That sounds that sounds like the wrong word. But um, no, my babysitting training, and, and so I was out there in, in the country, and and uh, they used to own a video store, and the upstairs attic was filled with um, VHS tapes, and we got to go through, and I found and I, and I found the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I saw the front, and I wanted to watch it, and they had to call my parents who were in Egypt at the time or something next time this to ask permission for me to to see it and it just changed me that that was um tim curry was my my first crush <laughs> and this is this is tim curry dressed in in lingerie which yeah. is fairly sort of non-standard yeah so what particular track um from the rocky horror picture show would you like to listen to i think the one that the one that made me go wow that's um sweet transvestite How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man. By the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme, maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty grooving. You want something visual that's not too abysmal? We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you? Stay for the night. Night. Or maybe a bite. Night. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man 
With blonde hair and a tan And he's good for relieving my tension I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania <laughs> So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain is really to blame So I'll remove the cause <laughs> But not the symptom This is the Garden of Sound interview with Hera on Plains FM 96.9. Have you tried Taha Sparkling Tonic? It's made right here in New Zealand from the best natural ingredients. Manuka honey, organic ginger and kawakawa. The medicinal benefits of these three are well known, but when they're combined, you get a healthy taste sensation that's out of this world! Fortunately, you can buy Taha right now from supermarkets, cafes and bars all over New Zealand. Find out more at taha.nz. Taha, a drink from the edge of the world. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Hera on Plains FM 96.9, brought to you from Ma Maison. I want to talk about music making. Now, you've been writing songs, you know, maybe it was just about the bread and the milk and the eggs since you were... You were five or six. What's your process? I, um, I've never forced myself to write. I've never sat down and, and, and set a structured day or, or anything like that. They just kind of come when they come. And normally at the same time, like the music and the, and the lyrics would come at the same time. If I get an idea, I'll record on my phone. But often it's just, it's just something I see, you know, like a, like a plastic flower or, um, you know, or a feeling. And often it's, you know, it's harder to write when you're happy or content you know it's it's extreme emotions like you know when you when you're content it's um there's less i don't know <laughs> where does the instrumentation into the process sometimes it'll just be a matter of picking up, up the guitar and, and and the song just kind of comes out like it's, it's weird like one the one song in particular called um uh, I was sleeping and I had this horrible dream and I woke up and my guitar was leaning up against the bed and um, I sat up, grabbed the neck of my guitar and I wrote this song called Wake Me Up and it just it just came really quickly. And one of the new tracks from uh, the new album was called um, Keep It Simple and I just picked up the guitar and played it. And yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they just they come really easily. Um, and other times, you, you know, you have to sort of think about and go back. And But I think sometimes... the the best ones come easy. Have you ever uh, put together any music with um, perhaps instrumentation or a backing that isn't guitar? I guess it's it's kind of always been me and the guitar, but I um, but I have a ukulele. I have a ukulele song, and um, and I off, I will hear other parts or other instruments. Some of the songs from the new album, I, I heard the drums before I before I heard the music. You know, and I'd sit there and bang on the carpet and sing it. <laughs> but um, it depends 
on the song, I guess. And and it's also like a bit of a space that the song lives within. My uh, that sounds strange, but my producer, his name is Barde Johansson. He's an incredible artist uh, based in Iceland. He does a lot of soundscape work, and what he does, he 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 wraps the world around the song, and that's um and I I have so much trust and and I and I love his work and and um, we are having such a wonderful time working together and and um and and putting these songs in their worlds i need for you to go into a little more detail about wrapping the world around the song um it's how, it's how you hear it like uh, uh the, the a lot of the the new albums is very in- intimate like you're you're in it you're, you're not listening to it but you're in it if that makes sense and uh you know you'll hear something which is right at the very edge of the song and it rolls through you know like like a um like a leaf blowing uh, across the street and you know it's the, it's the sound of that that motion in that space and that um you know the, the 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 space that it creates when it's not there we've talked about the production on the album but i want to talk about some of the other players as it were or the other contributors yeah it's been um the crazy thing with this one is um, is that it's been made across the world. I um, I went to Iceland and did the and did the first track in Iceland with my producer over there and, and my my partner, who um, Ben Campbell, who you've actually interviewed, and we um, and we zigzag back and forth from Iceland to, to New Zealand. But I also have um, musicians here uh, that I that I love and work with here in in New Zealand who've um, contributed. Who will we hear on the album? Ah, uh, you'll hear. Um, uh, some of Moses Robbins, uh, Alex Harmer, Jed Parsons, Andy Lynch, um, and of course Ben. Here we are. You know, we've done some some writing together and some um, and some playing together, and he's been um, very much a, a part of of the process, the recording process over in Iceland. What has Ben brought to it that perhaps you wouldn't have been able to provide on your own? Not saying that you can't do everything. I guess I learned a lot after. Um, I guess it was it was after the earthquakes. I was in the process of making um, of making an album at the time, and I was introduced to um, to all these wonderful musicians, which then became Fledge, which is a, an, an event and artist management company. And that's that was us, you know, working together on various projects and and thinking outside the box, making venues where there were no venues, and and just finding any opportunity that we could to play together and to perform, and to find the joy in, in, in making art and making music and, and doing fun things, you know, in a broken place. And uh, and we, we did a lot of touring and traveling together. And for me, that was new because I'd always been a solo, solo singer-songwriter who'd work, worked with session musicians in Iceland and, and um, hadn't collaborated so much in the past. And, um, and then I was playing with House of Mountain, which at, at the time was... Um, uh, ben, Jed, Moses, and and Kurt, and we toured together. And, and from there, uh, we uh, Jed and I started playing together. Jed Parsons, who is doing amazing music, and I think musically that that whole process of working with the musicians um, and on the the, the Fledge uh, Creative Collective opened my heart and my brain in a way, and um, inspired a, lo- a lot. So uh, you know, while this is an an, an album, it is really such a wonderful thing to include my musical family you know because they're more you know they're more than players they they are my my family my friends and and my partner you know for the first time it really yeah it's special is there um 
any piece of music that you've you've created that you'd like to play for us maybe from from the early days there's a uh, there's a song called itchy palms i was uh 16 when i wrote it 17 when i recorded it it was on my second album first one was um, recorded at home second one i was self-produced in a studio in in Christchurch, uh, and it was a real learning experience as well. I had a, a Helen Webby harp player and uh, and um, Fiona Pierce playing uh, violin. It was um, a song for a friend who I met in Iceland, and we we decided that we must have been we must have made must have been Siamese twins in a past life. We got along so well, we had lots of fun, and then you know discovering the fact that I have roots and and two places that are very far from each other and and you know the the difficulty it used to be used to be a lot harder than it is today to communicate and stay in touch with people so yeah this was a, a song i wrote for my friend before we move on to that track i just want to ask you about do you feel like a a stranger in in both places they uh both places are home like new zealand new zealand is home and iceland is home and my, my roots are in both places but no matter where i am i'm always a foreigner so when i'm when i'm in when i'm in new zealand i'm always the icelandic girl when i'm in iceland i'm you know i'm always the the, the kiwi even it's, though you were born there yeah but this um this song actually well this album was um i was doing a radio interview uh from new zealand to iceland and i was 17 uh and and I think the the interviewer had gotten the CD from my dad's sister at a campground somewhere, and and they um, and they played the song, and and um, and it was very early in the morning in Iceland, and and late in the evening in New Zealand, and there was a movie producer who was driving to the bakery, and listening to the radio, and he heard the song, and and he somehow got a hold of the CD through my grandma or, or something and, and chose um, chose a track for his uh, movie, which is called The Sea. And the song was the, the title track for that film. And in that, in that film, the, um, the lead, he writes it for his girlfriend and he plays it to her on the piano and they have a, like a symphony orchestra version of it, which is the opening credits. And, and, um, and there's a music video somewhere which has clips from the film in it. It won lots of awards and so I went to Iceland uh, following that and but did lots of lots of touring so this is I guess my first commercially played track that's an amazing springboard for your career yeah <laughs> let's hear it itchy palms aching hands scratch for the longing the longing to leave here tonight I met him here Found myself Hiding inside He's just like the mirror Of me But I have to get away Fly into the blue Can I cry all of me Through the earth So the tears get to you Itchy palm Just like him I know that he'll follow And now that he knows we exist Not alone Not a pair We're just like each other 
But placed on the opposite sides of the world Why so far? It's not for the better now that we know we exist But I have to get away Fly into the blue Can I cry all of me through the earth So the tears get to you You touch like me I touch like you each other We know it's the right thing to do Itchy palms We're insane We're playing with fire With nothing to lose or to gain But I have to go This is the Garden of Sound interview with Hera on Plains FM 96.9. You've got a new album coming out in 2019, but up until that point, what's probably the most amazing thing or the most rewarding project or event that you've worked on thus far? Well, that uh, the Icelandic album playing with the people I grew up listening to was pretty pretty special. I was living in, in Iceland a bit. I was kind of zigzagging back and forth. When I um, when I came back to New Zealand after the after the film was released, I was nominated for an Icelandic Music Award, and I was trying to listen to it online on on some very dodgy Wi-Fi. Um, well, not Wi-Fi. It was uh, dial a dial-up. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh gosh! And we were, you know, in um, my parents' office at the time, which was uh, somewhere on, somewhere in the central city, Peterborough Street. Listening, uh, listening to it, and I won the award, and I and I wasn't there, and and it was um, it was it was pretty crazy. And then after that, I um, I ended up doing more touring, heading over there, record um, recording my next album, which was an Icelandic album, and working with some of my favourite musicians. What's the population of Iceland? Three hundred and thirty thousand. Okay, so uh, Christchurch-ish. Yeah, less maybe. than Christchurch. Yeah, um, but it sounds like there is a thriving music industry is that enough people to support it as a as a whole country there is so much support for the arts in iceland iceland is uh, is like a real um a real yeah bubbling place for um for creativity same same as christchurch you know we've, we've always um said that you know so much good music comes out of out of christchurch is the same same in Iceland, and, and there's a lot of support there. People buy a lot of music and, and go to a lot of concerts and support music. I think um, we there's a lot of funny statistics about Iceland. We like read the most books and uh, we write the most books, re- release the most books per capita, and drink the most Coca-Cola, eat the most candy. Um, most strong men in um, in the world, I think, per capita. Most Miss Universes in the world per capita. Heaps of of um, heaps of funny statistics about Iceland, but. Um, but yeah, a lot of support for the arts. Like for a country of, for a country of three hundred, you know, three hundred and thirty thousand. Like the gold record is still, um, I think it's five thousand. I think it's seven thousand here in New Zealand with four million people. 
I want to talk about unfulfilled uh, projects or fantasies uh, or things that you would like to do in the future. Um, we're here on beautiful Akaroa. I mean, it's a million miles away from the rest of the world, but is there anything else you want to you get out and do or conquer or see or be? Yeah, I, um, I'm just most excited right now about the, about the new music. And the artist that I'm working with, my producer, is someone I've, I've been listening to for years and, and have wanted to work with for years. When I was over there um, a few years ago, we got, it must be like two or three years ago, uh, I had some time. We were doing a filming a documentary, and and um, and thought we'd see how it would feel to work together. And we recorded one song, and we were both really excited about it. So he's um, and he's yeah. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but he's an incredible artist. He's um he's been um involved with a number of projects. He's got a band called Bang Gang, do who um and he's just been doing touring and and another uh, band called Lady and Bird. And uh, yeah, he does. He makes beautiful stuff. So yeah, the things I want to do. Um, one of them was to to work with him, and and I am. And uh, and this album is going to be that exciting thing, which I can't wait to share. You're very much in the now. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. <laughs> I try to be. I do have to ask, as a female performer, have you ever worked with any female producers? No, I haven't. Why do you think there is such an imbalance in the producing world between men and women? <sighs> That's a very hard question. Uh, there is, uh, there is, I don't know, we just, I don't know. Is it like chefs? Because there are female chefs, but there seems to be more male chefs on television? It is such a male-dominated industry, but um, but you know, uh, there are there are great female producers and great female musicians out there. I've worked with a lot of female musicians, but mm. yeah, no, it just well, I the don't only know. one that I can think of uh, internationally. Uh, she recorded uh, Christina Aguilera on "Beautiful." Um, the Linda can't remember her last name from Four Non Blondes. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. Gosh, that's um, it is really interesting. And um, but do you feel our musical lives could be so much more rich if there was more female representation in the production world? Hmm. Is it an issue? I um, I don't think so. I mean, I haven't um, I haven't said no to anything. Like I just haven't, you know, in my um, I haven't come across female producers that I've, um, you know, have been around in, in the circles and it just, you know, it just hasn't happened. It's not that I've chosen one or the other. It's just kind of been what's happened. I have put you on the spot, absolutely. Yeah. But I will say this during the program. If you are um, a woman and you are an aspiring producer, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to see um, sort of what blocks might be in your way. We'd just like to know you're out there. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. You were talking about your your producer earlier and, and and some of his work. Is there a maybe a track from him that you'd like to um you'd like to play to take us out today? Yes. This is um Yeah, it's just it's it's really cool. It's called The Ballad of Lady and Bird. Hera, I wanna thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to be here.
Messias. Maybe they come, but we just don't see them. What do you see? I see what's outside. And what exactly is outside? It's grown-ups. Well, maybe if we scream, they can hear us. Yeah, maybe we should try to scream. Okay, bird. was the ballad of Lady and Bird. It's time for my track of the week, and it's a doozy all the way from Otatahi. It's from an artist called Pickle Darling, who hilariously describes himself as a lo-fi James Blunt. Don't let that put you off. He's opening next year for Kate Le Bon at Blue Smoke, and come January 4th, he'll be releasing what I believe is his debut album, Bigness. Well, here's one of the singles off that album. It's called Bicycle Weather. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining me on Garden of Sound today. My guest was Hera. She'll be performing at Mamezon in Akroa on the 27th of December. You can get tickets for that at herasings.bandcamp.com or by going to gardenofsound.nz and clicking on Hera's photo on the front page. From there, you can listen to all the tracks we talked about today on her bespoke Spotify playlist. And make sure you keep an ear out for Hera's new album next year. All right, next week on the show, Marco Rowe. They just released a second EP and have recently been touring Australia. They've got an infectious Kiwi summer sound and this four-piece will very soon be in a town near you. So make sure you're around for that show. I'm Ian Turner. Thanks for joining me today on the show. Brought to you with thanks to 4YP. You can find out more about their work at 4yp.org. I hope you've enjoyed yourself, and I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. Hi, Dada. Hey, hey, hey.